welcome all of our campuses to week two of our series entitled Brave, a study in the book of Daniel. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us right now? Our Baton Rouge, Gulf Coast, those in Metairie. So excited to have Calvary Chapel, Bay St. Louis joining us as well. All of our Little Creek folks and of course online each week. I'm really excited. Twice a year I do a book of the Bible. If those of you are new here uh, or maybe guests or maybe you've not been coming along, uh, I like to teach you different books of the Bible. In the fall, when the kids go back to school, I think it's important for parents to go back to school. And so I teach a book of the Bible. I'm looking at the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is a book in the Old Testament. Today, I want to look at Daniel chapter 2. And I'm going to look at the concept where Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has a dream. Question, does God speak to people in dreams? The answer is, matter of fact, matter of fact, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that one of the characteristics of believers in the New Testament is that they're going to have dreams and visions. But the fact is, is that dreams have always been a part Old Testament, New Testament, God will speak to people in dreams. Now, I know that there are differences, for example, sometimes. Let me give you an example. How many of y'all are excited sometimes when you're having a terrible dream at night and you wake up and go, thank God that was a dream. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I I know I have. I'm like, God, thank you, Jesus, that that is a dream. So there, there are what I would call natural dreams, just one of the crazy dreams all over the place. You ate too much the night before. There are also demonic dreams. But there are also dreams that I believe that God speaks to people with. We're actually going to study a God dream where God gives King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, a dream. All right, now, last week I took about 10 or 15 minutes Given the backdrop, I always do that when I begin a series in a book of the Bible. I'm not going to take 15 minutes. I'm going to take about five. For those of you that maybe weren't here, I want to talk to you just for a moment again, a little bit of context, the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is written about a young man named Daniel, some of his friends. Again, for those of you that weren't here, Daniel was living in Jerusalem. He was going to Jerusalem High School. Just seeing if you're awake. He's going to Jerusalem, downtown high school, about 15 years old. And all of a sudden, from the east came the Babylonian Empire. Now, if you read in the scripture, Babylon came three times and besieged Judah. Jerusalem. Judah would be kind of the province around them. Judah was the city. And Daniel actually went in what would be considered the first deportation in 605 B.C. There was actually three. But 605, the Babylonian leaders came in and they, they took the, the kids that were, that were sharp. They thought, man, we're going to get these kids. We're going to bring them and we're going to immerse them in Babylonian culture. Now think about this just for a moment. This young Jewish man, Daniel, and his three friends are taken from their country, from their family, from their culture, never to return. As far as we know in the book of Daniel... It never gives us an indication that Daniel ever returned to Jerusalem. He lost his mom and dad in a day, his heritage, his family, his root structure, his country. No, listen, no more Jewish festivals. 
No more dancing and singing. Now all of a sudden, I don't know if it took a week or a month for them to, to be brought, but they woke up, whoom, and all of a sudden, they're in this Babylonian world. Talk about a culture shift. Talk about going from one culture as a young Hebrew boy, whoom, and now he wakes up in a Babylonian culture. It's interesting when you begin to think about loss. Matter of fact, in August, I talked about, I did a message on how to deal with disappointment and how to deal with loss. And, and, and if there's anybody that dealt with loss, it's Daniel. Here it is. He lost his family. He lost his roots. He lost the familiarity of his environment. He lost all of that in a moment of time. And whenever you experience loss, it produces deep pain in the heart of any human being. Now, but, but here's what I found, and I want you guys to hear this today. At all of our campuses, what I found is that when you have pain, but then you couple it with prayer. In other words, you bring that pain to God. You don't stuff that pain. You don't deny that pain, but you actually, here it is, you actually bring that pain to God. Pain coupled with prayer actually precedes promotion in the kingdom of God. In other words, when you bring that pain to God, and that's what Daniel did. Daniel maintained his prayer life. Daniel maintained as a, as a man of God, as a, a young man that began to grow. Even when he lived in a culture that didn't reflect his values. They didn't honor Jehovah God. They were polytheistic. They worshiped many gods, moon gods, sun gods. Daniel brought his pain to God and he prayed. And it was that spiritual life that he cultivated that actually preceded promotion in the kingdom of God. It's interesting how different people and historically how the church has dealt with culture shifts. When people live in a culture that doesn't reflect their values, their value structures. It's interesting if you read church history. I've taken a whole bunch of church history classes in seminary and Bible school. And, and there's always what I would consider three varying responses the first response, what I would say to culture shifts are, there's always a group of people, Christians, that want to what I would consider escape. In other words, the pain's too much, there's too much fear, there's too much ambiguity, there, there's too much uncertainty, and so they want to, proverbially speaking, they want to move to north, the northwest territories of Canada, you know, just bring their Bible up there and just kind of hide out with some rations and wait till the rapture comes. Maybe, maybe... The person doesn't want to move, but they've disengaged from culture. In other words, they've put, kind of done the ostrich thing. They put their head in the sand, and they're just kind of waiting until it's over. I do not believe, I don't believe the Bible advocates. We don't believe that. I don't believe that in any way that Christians are to escape from culture. We don't believe in just going to hide out and wait until Jesus comes back. Number two, the second response that I find and that I've studied historically in the Christian churches, there is a remnant that wants to just, there's a group that just wants to capitulate to culture. They get tired of being made fun of. They get tired of people making fun of them. And, well, you know, are you one of those born-agains? And you're a judger. You're so intolerant, which actually they're intolerant, saying that we're intolerant, but that's a whole other discussion. And so you just kind of just, you get tired of the press. You get tired of it. You just kind of, and so you just want to capitulate. You, you know, you know the, 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 Jesus says, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. You get tired of letting your light shine. Even though in Sunday school, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You don't want to do that. You want to keep it under a bushel because when it gets out from underneath the bushel, it produces persecution and it's painful. So you just want to capitulate. I don't want to talk about being a Christian. I don't want to talk about that. It's just too painful in our culture. 
So there's one group that wants to escape. There's another group that just kind of capitulates and becomes part of what's around them. But I believe the biblical response is to engage culture. I believe that God has not called us to escape. I believe that God has not called us, watch this, God has not called us to be absorbed by culture, but God has called us to make an impact on culture. In every sphere, in the business world, the arts and entertainment, the athletic world, the education world, the political world, God's anointing and favor comes upon men and women to make a big impact for God, regardless of the culture that they're in. That's biblical. In my opinion, one of the greatest examples in all of Scripture is Daniel related to this. Daniel was a man of conviction. As a matter of fact, part of his test and part of his education, they put him into the Babylonian high school. Brought from Jerusalem High School, placed in a Babylonian high school. Part of the re-education indoctrination program. He was to be immersed in the language and the literature of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. He was to be immersed in, in, in all of that. One of the things that the king said is, spread the table. Watch this. Spread the table. And I want Daniel and his young Hebrew friends to eat the delicatessens from my table. We finished up last week in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, where it was so clear. I love this, where the Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart. Watch this. Daniel made a decision in his heart that he was not going to defile himself by eating the king's delicacy. By the way, don't wait till you come under pressure to determine what your convictions are. We either live by conviction or we live by comfort and convenience. And don't wait until you're under pressure. Don't wait until somebody's mocking you for being a follower of Christ. Don't, don't wait until you potentially may compromise in an ethical dilemma business. In other words, you've got to make a decision up front what your values are, biblical values. that you have. Daniel, purpose in his heart. Here's what he did. He told, he told Ashpenaz, who was kind of the, the, the lieutenant for the king, he says, I'm not eating from the king's table. We're, none of us are eating from the king's table. The guy goes, what are you going to eat? He goes, I'll tell you what we're going to eat. Water and broccoli. Okay, they said vegetables. Okay, broccoli, you know. By the way, can I just, this is church, you got to be honest. How many of y'all didn't like broccoli when you were a kid? How many of y'all loved broccoli as an adult? What happened? What, I, is this transformation? I don't know, but. So Daniel says this, here's what he says. He says, listen, I'm not going to eat from that. I want vegetables and water. The guy goes, all right. Oh, this is a challenge. I'm coming back in 10 days. They come back and they check out his appearance. Matter of fact, he actually brings him before the king, and he says, all right, um, let's see who we got here. And I love this. Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. Oh, this is so powerful. Don't tell me that God can't sustain you. Don't tell me that God's hand can't come upon your life in a dynamic way. Look what this says. Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. Here's what the Bible says. Is that Daniel and his friends, watch this, they were ten times better than the rest. Ten times in other words, God's hand came upon him. The power wasn't in the vegetables. The power was in serving God. Uh, the power wasn't in a water fast. The power was in his conviction that he held fast. And when we hold fast and live by conviction and not by comfort and convenience, oh man, boom, God's power comes upon you. God is looking for men and women in our culture that live by biblical convictions. We've got to make a decision. What are we going to do? I, I love reading history. I love reading biographies and autobiography. I'll never forget reading the biography of George Washington Carver. 
and how he, he went out and he actually, he was a brilliant man, an inventor, a scientist, and he actually went out and he went and prayed and he got behind a log and he said, God, listen, he actually prayed this prayer. He says, God, I'm asking you to give me the secret to the peanut. And God spoke to him and it opened up to him. And of course, we know what took place after that. All of just the miracle stories of how, how he was able to hear from God and, and, and all of the development. of it. Let me just tell you something. Business people, please don't leave your house without praying in the morning. What an advantage you have. Moms and dads, friends, listen, single people, those of you that are in college, listen, why would we not draw upon the resource of heaven and have the Holy Spirit of God speak to us? Daniel did. Daniel's friends did. And so can we. Daniel, in my opinion, is one of the greatest examples of, of a man that lived by conviction and not convenience. A man that lived by conviction and not the comfort of his surroundings. So here's what we're going to do. This chapter, chapter 2, I'm really fired up about this. I'm going to do as much as I can. I'm going to get through, I think, chapter 7 or 8, and then I'll kind of package the last couple chapters. It's a six-week series. Today, we're going to look at chapter 2. This chapter provides a biblical overview of humanity's future kingdoms, future kingdoms, and end-time events. Daniel 2 often has been a key in helping us understand other prophetic books. Those of you that have ever studied Bible prophecy, by the way, one-third of the Bible is considered Bible prophecy, one-third. Those of you that have studied the book of Daniel... This chapter, particular chapter, often is a key to understanding the book of Revelation. Matthew chapter 24 and 25, which has a lot of end time content to it. Chapter 2 begins with a dream. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, Daniel is now living with his friends in Babylon, and Daniel has an interpretation to the dream. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. Watch this. Now in the year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and they stood before the king. All right, here's what happened. So Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has these dreams. And his sleep is troubled. So he calls all the wise men and all the astrologers he, all these, these, these court astrologers and wise he calls them, he says, hey guys, I couldn't sleep last night. And I had a dream and it really just, I'm just kind of just shaken by this. All right, here's what I pay you guys for. I need you to tell me the dream and then I need you to tell me the interpretation. I got to have them both because my sleep is so troubled. And I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, I want the dream and I want the interpretation. Now watch what happens. They start whispering to one another. We need the dream first. We, I don't know what he's expecting from us. So the spokesman goes, sir, sir, we would like to give you the interpretation. Can you give us the dream first? He's furious. He's like, what are you talking about? I want the dream, and I want the interpretation. They said, no, sir, you don't understand something, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to give you the interpretation, but you got to give us the dream. In other words, they would be considered in the classification of nine, one 900 psychic prophets today. 
You know what psychic prophets are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us, uh, okay, well, I've got a sister. Yes, yes, so you have a sister. Okay, and tell us about your job. In other words, in other words, they can't start from scratch. They take something that you give them, manipulate it, weird, use a weird, eerie voice, and then you're like, they're so profound. <laughs> no, they're liars, and they brought it through a matrix. Are you with me? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Nebuchadnezzar is ticked off. Yes, I said that in church. He's mad. He's like, that's it. If you can't give me the dream, I'm killing all the wise men. I'm killing all of you guys, astrologers. You all are just losers. Well, guess who was a wise man? Daniel. Daniel hears about it. His friend goes, hey, bro, the king's really upset. Aren't you in a wise man? Yeah, I'm a wise man. He goes, well, the king, you're getting ready to get killed. Why are you getting ready? Why am I getting ready to get killed? Because you guys, you know, your group up there, you know, this group, nobody could give the king the dream and then the interpretation. And Daniel goes, <clears throat> I'm going to start praying. And Daniel went before God. He began to cry out to God, God, speak to me, oh God. God, give me revelation, Lord. Give me insight. Lord, show me Nebuchadnezzar's dream, oh God. God, show me. Give me the interpretation. Listen, Daniel lifted his voice in prayer. I I am so bewildered by the fact when we don't understand the advantage Christ's followers have, we can pray and talk to a living God. We can pray and talk to a God that's already been in history. By the way, he's already been in the future, I'm saying. He knows history. He, he knows the, the past, the present, and the future. He, he, God, God is omniscient. He knows all. And, and, and we can lift our voice to God, literally, and say, oh, God, that's what Daniel did. God started down, downloading it. He just started. He started down, downloading to Daniel. Everything that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed and then the interpretation. Friends, let's bring, let's bring our lives before God every day. Let's believe for the supernatural. Let, let's believe for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. You and I, have the t- we, are, we are bodies. If you're a Christ follower, the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. You guys remember the commercial, don't leave home without it? Here's what I would say. Don't leave home without praying. Don't leave home without grabbing the hand of your spouse or don't don't go to work without praying. Why? You have an advantage. You're you're a child of God. God knows all mysteries. God will speak to you. God knows about your boss. God knows about your employees. God knows about your kids. God knows things that you don't know. That's why this chapter really speaks of two profound revelations, one of which is the inability of human power. Nebuchadnezzar was literally the mightiest man on earth, and yet he was helpless to understand his own dream. Money, power, worldly success, they may gain you a few things in this life, but it avails nothing in the realm of the Spirit. Men and women of God, we are kingdom agents. We can walk in the power of the Spirit. We live in a natural world, but we also live in the spiritual realm, and and, and we have insight as God speaks to us. Number two, the second thing that this chapter unpacks is the inability of human wisdom. I'm all for education. I, I, I believe that we should be educated, but only education only can go so far. There's a limitation 
In the space-time continuum, there's a limitation of human rationale and logic and understanding. The, the spirit realm is much... Listen, the pagan, the pagan wise men and astrologers only knew so much. They would study Babylonian literature of how to interpret dreams and omens and all these different things. But the reality is they came up short, but God didn't. Daniel cried out to God. God, speak to me. Daniel chapter 2, verse 27, the Bible says the secret, the secret which the king demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king, but there is a God. Everybody say, but there is a God. But there is a God in heaven. By the way, that's your God if you're a follower of Jesus. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. He speaks to us. God is a speaking God. Look at the book of Genesis. Open it up. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. God wants to talk to you. God wants to talk to you and me. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in latter days. All right, here we go. The dream is now going to be explained by Daniel and then interpreted. Explained and interpreted. God speaks to Daniel. He downloads it. And he comes back and he goes, <clears throat> Okay, Nebuchadnezzar, I got the dream. Can you imagine all the eyes on Daniel right now? Let me say this, and I, and I say this very carefully. This is a do or die situation. You do realize that. It's like, this is like, you got to produce. You, you with me? He's like, everybody's like, this is an E.F. Hutton moment. If you don't get that, you're not my age. Come on, are y'all with me? All the people that laugh, they're, they're about my age. But anyway, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Everybody's like, what you got? Here's what Daniel says. All right, here it is. Dream and then interpretation. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. Here's what God showed me. You, O king, you were watching. Yeah. And in your dream, behold, a great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you. Yes. You're right. And it was awesome, king. Do you remember that? I do. This image, its head was, well, it was of fine gold, and its chest and its arms were silver, and its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its, well, its feet were, do you remember the feet, king? I, I do remember the feet. Well, the feet were partly of, of clay and partly of iron. You, you watch while a stone was actually cut out from the hands, and it struck the image on the feet of iron and clay, and it broke them in pieces. Do you remember that, king? I do remember that. And then the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold were crushed together. And it became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The, the wind carried it away so that there was no trace of it that was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and it filled the whole earth. Nebuchadnezzar goes, wow, it's exactly what I dreamed. He's 50% there. The dream is both simple and profound. The king sees an enormous statue made of four different metals. Head of gold, chest of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron mixed with clay. The statue isn't doing anything specifically, but clearly the unique feature 
is that there's deep different metals. Suddenly a stone strikes the statue at its feet. That is important. It shatters the entire statue. The pieces are blown away by the wind. Only, only the stone, which becomes a mountain, then fills the earth. Very interesting dream. All right, all right, he goes, here you go, here you go. Nebuchadnezzar, how am I doing so far? Am I still in the game? Nebuchadnezzar goes, you're doing pretty good, kid. Keep going. He goes, all right, I've given you the dream. Everybody brace themselves. And here's the interpretation. Remember, God in heaven spoke to him. You serve the same God, and he'll speak to you about your family, your job, your kids, and your future. All right? He goes, all right, here you go, Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody's just leaning in. Verse 38, when Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, all right, king, here it is, interpretation. You, you're the head of gold. On top of the statue, he says, that actually represents you in the Babylonian kingdom. You're the king of Babylon. Verse 39. But after you shall arise another kingdom. That's going to be inferior to your kingdom. And then, and then there's a third kingdom. The kingdom of bronze. It shall rule over the earth. Verse 40. Then there's going to be another kingdom that shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces, and it shatters everything like the iron that crushes. And that kingdom will break in pieces, and it will crush all others. How am I doing so far? Does this make sense, Nebuchadnezzar? He goes, I think I'm tracking with you. You've given me the dream. Now, what's the interpretation? So, so, so I'm, I'm the first kingdom. But you're telling me, Daniel, there's another kingdom coming after my kingdom? And then there's a third kingdom coming. And then there's a fourth kingdom coming. And then there's a stone that's taken out that breaks the feet. And it's, in essence, is it kind of like a fifth kingdom that has no end? Wow. Now, what's interesting in this is that Daniel only identifies in those scriptures the first thing, the head of gold, is the Babylonian kingdom. But if you read in Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 7... Daniel himself has another vision, and he begins to fill in the pieces of the succeeding kingdoms. Succession, what comes after. First kingdom, obvious, bronze, the Babylonian kingdom. Daniel chapter 8, I'm going to now import from there, which by the way, I'm going to be teaching in three weeks ago about this, three weeks from now. I'm going to import from that and bring it back into this to show you that Daniel's not just making it up. Look what he says. And I'm not making it up. The ram, which you saw, this is another dream and vision that Daniel has a couple years afterwards. The ram, which you saw, having two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. Question. When Daniel in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, actually all the way up to 8, what kingdom is Daniel living in? I'll tell you what he's living in. He's living in the Babylonian kingdom. Now, there was a different king at the time, but he was under Babylonian rule. Daniel in chapter 8 and 7 has another picture of another kingdom. Bring that back into chapter 7, and let me give you this picture. Chapter 2, here's this thing. Here it is. Watch this. This is so profound. Here it is. Daniel is living in the Babylonian kingdom. It was from 612... B.C. to 539. His life almost spanned this whole thing. This was gold. 
the second kingdom. For those of you that took Western civilization and you know about history, all right, what kingdom, or not Western civilization, but civilization, the history of the world, what kingdom overtook the Babylonian kingdom? It's the Persian kingdom. The Persian kingdom. 539 to 331. Remember he talked about an inferior kingdom coming? And then he talked about another kingdom coming. All right, Which he talked about in chapter 8. The Greek Empire. How many of y'all remember Alexander the Great? Come on, raise your hand if you remember Alexander the Great. Daniel talks about another kingdom coming. Remember, Daniel is still living in this kingdom at this time. Pastor. Why does the Bible speak so much about prophecy? Stay with me. I'm going to come back to this. I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses. The reason why God speaks, what is prophecy? Prophecy is when God speaks, watch this, when God speaks through an individual about a present time, but also with future implications. In a future time. Why does God do that? Number one. Why did God do that to Nebuchadnezzar? Because God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know that he was Lord of both this history and the future. Number two. He wanted Daniel to know that he was both the God of the heavens. Watch this. The Alpha, the beginning. The Omega, the end. In other words, he is above time. Watch this. Don't don't miss this. He wanted you and I to know. Why prophecy? Because if God has already been in the future, you can trust him with the present to take you into your future. Prophecy is about encouragement. It's so that you and I don't freak out when world events start taking place. I don't know what's going to happen in America, but I know what's going to happen to the kingdom of God. That we're part of the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And our lives are going to be taken care of. Are you with me? That's what prophecy is about. Prophecy is about there's a kingdom and another kingdom. And what's the third kingdom? The fourth kingdom is the Roman Empire. Now notice what took place. You remember the stone that came down? The Roman Empire was the last world empire. The British Empire did not control the world like Rome. The last, he, there was a stone that was taken. Remember what the stone did? The stone came. Who was likened to a stone in Matthew? The stone which the chief builders rejected was Christ himself. And when he came to the earth, the stone which was rejected instituted and inaugurated the kingdom of God. Did you remember the disciples in Acts chapter 1? They said, at this time, are, you gonna, are we going to be on top again as the Jews? Are we going to run the world again? Are we going to be on top? Is our king going to ride the chariot in Jerusalem and we're going to be the, the world leaders? He said, no. I'm establishing an invisible kingdom. A kingdom that, that begins as a seed as it, and it grows and it grows and it expands. Every other world kingdom topples, but God's kingdom expands. That's why we want to be rooted in the kingdom of God. Nebuchadnezzar is overwhelmed by this. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter 2, verse 34, you watch while a stone was cut out with hands which struck the image. Here, bring my picture back. This is the kingdom of God, if you can, the kingdom of God, which strikes every earthly kingdom. And God says, "I I am the God of all gods. Oh man, friends, listen to me. I appreciate the fact that I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I'm so grateful, I feel so privileged. But I'm grateful that my feet are planted in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It cannot be shaken. It cannot be shaken. All right, now watch the response and we're done. Here it is. You guys ready? 
Here it is. This is so powerful. Daniel chapter 2, verse 46. I'm almost finished. Then King, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, he gave me the dream. And he gave me the interpretation. Oh, my gosh. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods. That's why when we look in the Bible, we see prophecy fulfilled. It, it, it's, it's, to, it's to show us that, that, that we have a God that is, that is in control of the nations. You have to see this. He says, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of the kings, and the revealer of secrets. Since you cannot reveal this secret, then the king promoted Daniel. Had somebody email me and said, Pastor, what's going to happen? And by the way, I, I am an American citizen. I am believing God, that God does great things in America. I'm believing for a revival. I'm believing for an awakening. But by the way, my hope is in the gospel and the church. My, my, my hope, listen, and I appreciate the, listen, I'm whatever, I appreciate the political process, and I'm a citizen of this earth, and I'm going to vote, but my ultimate hope is in the power of God's people praying and crying out to God. Here it is, here it is. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn, they'll turn to God. God says, then I'll hear from heaven, and then I'll come and heal their land. The power of Almighty, the power of the kingdom is in the power of his church. He's given us the key. We've got to pray and believe God. We've got to cry out. We've got to lift up our voice. And the Bible says Daniel's promoted. Business people, listen to me. Those in the academic realm, we don't capitulate to culture. We don't go running high. We advance the kingdom of God. We move in the spheres of authority, in the love of Christ, with the power of the gospel. We don't go retreat and wait for the rapture. Daniel didn't retreat. The Bible says he was promoted in that culture. He was promoted and they, they recognized there was a sovereign God. I recognize God. And the king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts and made him ruler of the whole province of Babylon and the chief administrator over that region. I you say, Pastor, what is this all about? What are you after? You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to equip you with the faith that you're part of the kingdom of God and you can walk in the supernatural. Listen, if there's ever a time when God needs kingdom agents walking in the supernatural, it's now. God has equipped you as children of God with the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of Jesus coming out of your mouth and the word of God and the gifts of the Spirit, God's power tools I'll never forget, I heard this story, I'll close with this, and it was an associate pastor. Because God will speak to you. God will speak to you about your boss. God will speak to you about your kids. God will speak to you. We, 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 we can walk in the kingdom of God. There's a God. Daniel's God is your God. If God will speak to Daniel, God will speak to you. About your family, about your future, about your business. And I'll never forget this associate pastor at this church. That I, that I, I'll never forget when he told this story. He had a, I think it was a cousin, it was a relative. And boy, he would mock him at every family gathering, just mock him and mock him. And, just, and you know what I found? Whenever there is great heat coming off of somebody, if you go behind the curtains, there's always great hurt. There's always great hurt. And my friend knew that at this Christmas party that his relative was going to be there. He knew it was going to happen. And he prayed that whole week. He said, God, I'm just asking for a way into his heart. What is this about? 
Our goal as kingdom agents is to see people born again and their lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus. That, that's what this is about. And to make a difference until our time is up. And he goes into that Christmas party and sure enough, here comes a relative. Here he comes. Just mocking him. And why are you really, do you really believe all that Christianity stuff? Oh, come on. And I forgot the, the guy's name. This guy was, his name was Brent. And Brent said, you know, I've... Um, I've been praying about you this week, praying for you this week. And uh, I believe God's been talking to me about you. He goes, God's been talking to, to you about me? Yeah, he, he's been talking to me about you. What's he been saying? He, um, God showed me that when you were nine years old, you were sexually molested and your heart was ripped apart. And when that happened, there was a hurt and a bitterness that entered your heart, and it's marked you to this day, and God wants to heal you and restore you. The guy fell on his face, weeping and crying, cried out to God, and gave his heart to Jesus right there. Right there. Now, let me say this. If you don't believe that, that's your prerogative, because trust me, God will never use you like that. If you believe it, all things are possible. All things are possible. Friends, listen to me. God's spirit in his church is the answer to the human problems that we're facing. You do realize that? God is the answer. God is the answer. God is the answer. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I sense the Holy Spirit right now at every one of our campuses, those that are joining us online. God's spirit is here. If you do not know Christ... If you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, I want to pray for you. I literally have one minute. I want everybody to look at me. The Holy Spirit, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He shed his blood for you. Here's my question. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name, what name? The name of Jesus shall be saved. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Jesus says, I can point to Jesus. He's the one that loves you, who died on the cross for you. Question, do you know Christ? Has your sins been forgiven? God loves you. He's not mad at you, my friend. He wants to save you. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to live in you and give you supernatural power to live this life. Do you know Christ? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to give you one minute. Here it is. At the count of three, I'm going to ask, if you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, I'm just going to ask for a show of hand at all of our campuses. Pastor Steve, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Pastor, pray for me. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold up your hand high so I can see it. God bless you right there. God bless you. God bless you guys. God bless every single one of you right there. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I want you to look at me, buddy. Jesus loves you, man. And he brought you to this place today. God's got a plan for your life. Today is the day. Today is a day for you. Today is a day for you. Anybody else say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you right now. When I was 19 years old, I said yes to Christ. I'm telling you, your life will tra you'll be, be transformed by the power of Christ. You say, yeah, is there anybody else? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, church, let's pray. Every one of our campuses, let's pray together right now. God is changing people's lives. Jesus is changing people. Let's pray. Come on together. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, 
I repent of my sin. I let go of my past. And I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. The word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. What a great message. You know, we're only two messages into this series so far, and it's been incredible. I know God has really been speaking to me through these messages, and I can't wait to see what God has in store for all of us as we continue this journey together. So please, make sure you're here again next week so we can connect with each other and grow closer to God together as a church family. Also, we'd love to get to know you, hear your story, and equip you to grow in your relationship with God. The best way to do this is to join us online for Next Steps today. Text CONNECT to 822-822 for more information. I really hope we get to see you there. Well, we love you, and we can't wait to be with you again next week. Have a great week. If you need anything this week, please reach out to us anytime by emailing us at online at churchoftheking.com. See you next week.